We're going to meditate uh, tonight on uh, a couple of verses from 1 Corinthians 11. Please, let's read these together. This is God's holy and infallible word. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're celebrating the Lord's Supper tonight, and there's a phrase in, in the liturgy of the Lord's Supper, uh, this is my body broken for you, though more often in recent years we say, this is my body which is for you. Uh, the word broken is in older translations of Paul's words that we just read in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, where he tells us about the institution of the Lord's Supper. Bible translation, I mentioned broken is in older translations. Bible translation is a very definite art and skill that very few of us have any knowledge of or could do anything with unless we studied for a long time. Um, Bible translation deals with many various copies of Bible texts, sometimes fragments of texts, and what is clear in this translation work over many hundreds of years is that in the big picture, uh, for the grand majority of Bible books and Bible verses, there is agreement among the various texts and copies of Bible texts out there. Uh, but then there are a few places where we're not 100% sure of, a, of like a word, but miraculously, none of those places where we're not 100% sure, none of those places would mean any doctrinal change. None would have any real impact on our faith. And it's just amazing how God, through the Holy Spirit, has preserved his word uh, from the original authors and texts down through the centuries uh, to today so that we can feel very confident in, in the reliability of the Bibles we have and read. For hundreds of years, believers read in 1 Corinthians 11, this is my body broken for you. And for just a few minutes, I want to explore with you tonight what that might add to our Good Friday worship this year. One of the potential problems with having that word broken in there is that it seems like it would contradict Psalm 34, verse 20, 34, verse 20, where we read this prophecy about Jesus' suffering and Good Friday. God protects all his bones, and not one of them will be broken. And we know that prophecy came true. Uh, though Jesus' body, and we read it in the Gospels, was severely bruised and injured, his bones 
were not broken. In fact, we read that the soldiers who broke the legs of the thieves who were on either side of Jesus uh, to finally kill them, and, and by the way, that, that killed the thieves because then they couldn't push up with their legs to breathe. On the cross, the only way uh, to breathe and get those lungs full would have been to be pushing up with your legs. So breaking their legs, in effect, caused their suffocation. But the legs of Jesus didn't have to be broken because he had already died, the soldiers found. So instead of breaking his legs, we read they pierced his side uh, to be sure he was dead. And the Gospel of John tells us this happened the sword in his side instead of the breaking of his legs so that scripture would be fulfilled, the one we just read in Psalm 34. Not one of his bones will be broken. But of course, broken doesn't have to mean his bones or a bone was literally broken. After all, we don't take, when we say this is my body at the Lord's Supper, uh, when Jesus held up the bread at the institution of the supper, at the Last Supper, we don't take this is my body, literally. Is means more signifies, because you can see it's bread. It's not Jesus' actual body. One theologian who writes about this says that this is my body broken must mean, if it doesn't mean broken literally, it must mean the breaking of Jesus' bodily living, or the breaking of Jesus' soul from his body. The breaking means that the life had gone out from him. You know, today when we talk about someone passing away, we know the body remains, but the soul has departed the body that has died. When a couple breaks up, we sadly talk about a broken marriage and a business contract that's gone south uh, when one party fails to adhere to their side of the agreement. The deal is broken, right? Breaking bad means breaking away to an entirely different bad direction. And death is a wrenching break. God says it's the wages of sin. And when Jesus' body was broken, it means his soul was broken away from the human flesh that he assumed when he was born of the Virgin Mary. Matthew reports that Jesus cried out and he gave up his spirit. He died, body and soul, broken, torn in two, just like the temple veil. Broken means that Jesus really, truly died. And Jesus says, that happened for you. We broke the deal. We broke the contract, the relationship with God. We broke away in sin, heading down the wrong path. But he took the blame, the broken one, for all us covenant breakers. 
Because his body was broken for us, all the brokenness, think about this, all the brokenness in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies, in our souls, in our lives, in our relationships, all that brokenness, because he was broken for us, it can be covered, it can be healed, And because his body was broken for us, when we are broken at death, uh, whenever that day comes for each one of us, for you, for your loved ones, our souls that break away from the body will not plunge into hell. Instead, cleansed by his blood, our souls, as our catechism says, shall immediately be taken up to Christ and will be with Jesus, will be with God's own who have gone before us. Our bodies break down, expire, and fall into death's deep, dark sleep. But not our souls if we are in Christ. At that awful moment of the breaking of Jesus' body, Matthew adds that the graves were broken open and the dead were raised. The joy of Easter is that our Savior's own broken body and soul were very soon united gloriously. And such a miracle is the guarantee Paul later promises in 1 Corinthians 15 that the last enemy, death itself, will be destroyed. And, and so, at a, at a Christian graveside, there's so much comfort. Although broken in all sorts of ways, ourselves, in our lives, we too can experience unimaginable and indescribable redemption, reunion, restoration, That's a promise for you too tonight. If you accept for your very own with a believing heart, Jesus' body broken for you. Amen. The Gospel according to John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. John 13, 21-27 After He said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to whom which of them he meant. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Leaning back back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. 
Then, dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. As we prepare to share in the Lord's Supper together, we read from Luke 22, verse 14 to verse 23. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The Son of Man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. Matthew 26, verse 36 through 46. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. <coughs> then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watching me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping, because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Luke 23, 35 through 43. 
The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is God the Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, If you are king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you under, are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when I come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, 44-49 It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, included, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. <laughs> 